there. Welcome to Comedy Girl Crush Podcast Pandemic Edition. There have been a lot of changes for everyone this past year, and that goes for us too. For one thing, we're stoked to join forces with the Period Network, an awesome crew of women making great podcasts and supporting each other in the process. As we get ready to put out brand new episodes a little later this year, we wanted to share a few episodes that we already had in the can. These were recorded before the world ended, so you won't hear us talk about the pandemic. But you will get a great conversation with a great comedian about their craft. So please enjoy these audio time capsules while you look forward to brand new episodes of Comedy Girl Crush. Hi there. Welcome to Comedy Girl Crush. I'm Katie Dawson. I'm Nikki Urban. And our guest today is Liz Glazer. Liz is a stand-up comedian working in Los Angeles. She hosts multiple shows around the city. And you can also catch her on Instagram doing 59-second memoirs at Liz Glazer. Liz, we are so excited to have you on. Now, we were just talking about... Are we rolling? Yeah. Yeah? Okay, great. Well, so... Okay, so you were just saying that having a lot of ums in a podcast episode, or presumably wherever... adds on a lot of time and that by cutting ums one can cause a 40 minute conversation to be a 30 minute episode that kind of thing which led me to thinking about how recently I noticed that uh when I say um in a stand-up set usually I've found I don't know how much of a rule this is but like it's sort of new that that's me telling me that there's more joke Oh, yeah. Smart. And so, so because like, I guess, I guess maybe, I don't know. I love when there's kind of like a better self inside of my regular self or like an inner self or something like that, like where I'm able to get better as a person by sort of looking at the clues that myself already leaves me. Mm. And I feel like actually like getting into stand up was always about that. It was like much more about like figuring out how to express myself fully and like, maybe trying to get to enlightenment or something like that. And like, as I've gotten like, I don't know, marginally better, busier at it, whatever, like sort of further along, it's tricky for me because like, it's easy for me anyway to get caught up in the like, well, I want to like win stuff and achieve things and get accolades. Yeah. But then I'm like, no, that's like actually not the point and not why I got into any of this, but I do want to get more true and more me. And so the, um, thing, I mean, the, the joke that I noticed it in recently was that like, I talk about how I'm not a good lesbian. That's like sort of a, you know, a little arc for like a couple of things that I say on stage nowadays. And I say, well, I guess in some ways I am like, I have cats Mm -hmm. and then the audience like, you know, some, sometimes laughs a little bit and I'm like, I have 200. always a laugh on the hundred but then in order to transition that was the end of the joke for like a while and I noticed I always said um after this big laugh and I'm like well there was a big laugh and so I wonder if there's more there and I didn't like pressure myself to write more but then like all of a sudden in like a one kind of you know lightning bolt download kind of a way one morning after I had had this thought it then came to me that after I say 200 I'm like thousand we all live together in a U-Haul it's parked right outside my ex-girlfriend's house where she now lives with my other ex-girlfriend because they're together I park behind the Subaru unless it's being used in which case I park behind the other Subaru and all of that came because I believed in the um. 
Right. Wow. And so I try to to follow those sorts of clues and believe that like somewhere inside of me is the answer to like everything that I've ever dreamed I could right. be. Wow. I love that concept that um is your brain telling you that there's something more. I host a show that's, you know, it's a 50 minute long show that I host every month. And recently my director gave me a a mental punch card ah. uh, of how many times I'm allowed to say um oh, throughout the 50 minutes of the yeah. show. So in every show, it gets less and less. So the first one, it was like nine and then it's like seven and ah. then you can say it six times. But now I'm sort of like, wait, hold on. Uh. <laughs> Maybe I can say more. <laughs> well, but the other the other piece is like it's I mean, I think that's really fantastic and awesome to like have somebody who's tracking it. But like my goal is not necessarily to say it more or less for that matter. I guess in some ways, arguably it's less. It's just saying I'm already doing it. And once I'm reviewing what I've already done, is there something and it's it's a question. Is there something that I am trying to tell me by saying um? I think I remember a soul cycle instructor saying like your jealousy is guiding you to your dreams like that sort of thing where Whoa. you know being jealous oh, is like generally not something at least that I like open arms to in my life like it's not something that I want to invite more but like if you're already jealous then being like well what am I jealous of and what's that telling me that I want is Ooh. like a more productive use of jealousy Ooh. speaking of like bettering yeah. yourself and like paying attention to that I was it, it just had me think of my own like guilt is one where like I'm just trying to be more aware of like when I feel guilty and what I did that made me feel guilty and yeah. then just like eliminate that behavior yeah you know what I mean just like don't do the thing I always feel bad about doing afterward yeah. it feels so much better to just not do that. <laughs> I I relate to that heavily like I I don't talk about my sobriety that much mostly because I think it's annoying when other sober people talk about their sobriety like whenever I hear like a sober person talking about their sobriety I'm like have a drink but um, <laughs> but but uh, or get me one after enduring this conversation but like you know and I, I mean that sort of as a joke like I'm happy for people if they want to be sober and whatever it's been a better thing for me but one of the reasons that I got sober I actually and one of the ways that I did was not so much through AA or other support groups although I think they're great and I'll pop into some when I can and when I've needed to even but I journal every day and one of the ways that I for me it was like pot was a thing that mm -hmm. I stopped smoking mm -hmm. uh, or stopped engaging with at all because the next morning after I had like smoked the night before I would just write in my journal about the guilt that I felt about having smoked the night before. Mm. And it's not, I don't mean this to be like one should feel guilty or shouldn't feel guilty about smoking pot. It's just like the way that it made me feel. Cause like obviously drugs and substances hit people differently. Sure. Yeah. But like after a while of journaling repeatedly about this thing, I felt guilty about. I'm like, I think I probably could have more interesting journal entries at the very least if I stop this behavior. <laughs> and so I mostly, stopped because I was like it I, I, this doesn't make sense at this point because I keep feeling guilty so I really do relate yeah. to that method yeah oh yeah it's just like I think mine is like you know I I have a bit of a temper I come by it honestly and I think just like losing your temper that's for me I'm just like just don't get mad yeah and then you don't have to feel bad about getting mad yeah right and also like you know if if like I get mad in certain situations or when I haven't like done 
you know, like exercising in a while or whatever it is, like singing, I don't know, like whatever thing that that energy could be rechanneled into if I'm not doing that, then like to notice that, yeah. that for me, because I also can lose my temper and like, I definitely have a lot of like just horsepower, you know, to, <laughs> to work with. Um, and it's like not always been a good thing in my life because I think that that, that can be good. It can be like stamina for performing and like doing a lot of stuff and, and being productive or creative, but it can also be like destructive. I'm the opposite. I wish mm -hmm. I had more of a temper. Oh, yeah. <laughs> my well, guilt is usually for fucking myself over. Oh, uh, I understand that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally. When you say temper, would you say that that serviced you when you were in law? Interesting. I, it didn't really come up exactly that way. I understand, I think, the kind of motivation for the question. But I was a transactional lawyer when I practiced. And then I taught for nine years was like my like law life. What's a mm -hmm. transactional lawyer? So it's basically like uh, a litigation, uh, a litigator would be somebody who once you are in a fight with someone that can't be resolved, you hire a litigator, you know, to like be your representative. So like marriage story, right? Those are litigators because right. like there's the potential for going into court. And so that happens with like divorce lawyers, obviously, but also like all kinds of civil litigation, criminal litigation. Anytime there's like an actual, like two people couldn't agree on something, something happened and then they're fighting and they hire lawyers to represent them in that like fighting basically right. a transactional lawyer is like somebody who's paid to worry about ways of drafting documents so that that doesn't happen all of that stuff the litigating never happens right so all of that to say like I don't know that it really mattered in terms of my lawyer life specifically it's not like I was ever really fighting that makes total sense yeah what about yeah. giving your student shit though I mean, <laughs> yeah, like I think, I, you know, I don't know how much people or you guys like know about law school, like whether from like, you know, Legally Blonde or, or 1L or That's whatever. That's all I know about Chase. law yeah. school is yeah. I don't know. Legally Blonde. It's kind of all I did before I was on the inside of it. Um, so, you know, there definitely is sort of a, a posturing that happens because like the way that law classes are taught is by way of the Socratic method, which, you know, I mean, people do it all kinds of ways, but like a, the sort of traditional way is that there's like cold calling on the part of the professor. And so then it's like, hey, you know, Katie, like this case, can you tell us the facts of the case? Can you tell us what happened? And then, you know, sort of positing hypotheticals uh, about things that are kind of like the case, but are not exactly like the case to then determine what are the gray areas that are left by the ruling in this case? And what was the reasoning in this case? So that we can actually, because the way that, the way that like law is taught, which now that I think of it is not so different, not so different from like the way that acting is taught um, is by a case method, right? So in acting class, you come in with a scene, presumably you like do the work of that scene and learn stuff that could be in theory, at least generally applicable to like all scenes, right? right. Or at least yeah. some scenes that are not that different. Right. Essentially. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. It does seem like this ties directly in with stand-up comedy really yeah. it's so much detail and so yeah, much like that's figuring true. out and seeing it from different angles right. do you feel like that experience of doing that and teaching other people helped yeah. you service you and your joke telling I guess so I mean you know I I I appreciate that way of thinking about it because like my desire on stage is always to be the most myself 
And like, I think that whether it's because I am a lawyer or even before that, like maybe the reason that I ended up going to law school and becoming a lawyer is like, because I like that kind of thinking, you know, Mm -hmm. sort of like, what are all the angles and like, give me an opportunity to like, just have a, a download of a bunch of thoughts from my brain and say them. And a lot of times when I say them, I say them like in rapid fire and they're very detailed and you know, whatever. And that's like, like that Subaru joke you just did. Yeah. Right. Very fast. Yeah. Very super detailed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's, I mean, I'm not saying that every one of my jokes is that cause that that's, you know, a good one, at least in, <laughs> for me right now, that's like something that I'm like, Oh, okay, well that'll, that'll be good. Yeah. You know, not that it, I mean, never, I don't think I've never had anything that a hundred percent of the time works, but like, you know, okay. But you that's have the ones the that you're like, okay, that's it. Yeah. That's in the set. It's yeah, just in exactly. The set. Yeah. Right. And so, yeah. So I guess like looking at a problem from all angles, like I think the aspirational version of myself as a stand-up comedian, which I am not there yet, would be able to like be free enough on stage to like have the kind of joke that that is predicated on my tendency as a person to like say things the way that I do in real life. Mm. Yeah. And I think that like the Subaru joke mimics that, but like, not every one of my jokes does. Right. Not that everything has to be exactly the same. Like, you know, yeah, yeah. I'm like still, I think figuring that out a little. You do these like, um, video shorts, uh, that are very much like you. It's like your storytelling video shorts that are very vulnerable and like, and very like true to like the way you're describing, like the way you tell stories, just like detail oriented and very specific. Yeah. Thanks. Um, Oh, I love them. I'm a huge fan of them. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Yeah. We're making some more there. Um, the hashtag is 59 second memoir. And so, you know, it's just like plays with the Instagram limit as like a, a kind of using that as an opportunity uh, in order to like tell a story with like a, you know, beginning, middle and end, but that's very short. Mm. And I think like that came for me because, you know, I much like pretty much everybody I meet here is like, I want to write a television show. I want to be in it. I want to, you know, whatever. And sometimes when I've like written scripts, I get like bogged down in the insecurity of trying to find the story. Mm. And then when I started with the, with the 59 second memoirs, I was like, well, what if I don't try and tell the story? What if I tell a story? Oh yeah. And it could just be whatever story. It doesn't have to be this like epic thing even though every time I've made one I'm like oh my god this is really like about everything which like I think that's of course like the lesson is that like the particular and you know the universal and the general we're all they're all one and everything is everything yeah exactly (laughs) right and nothing and yeah 100% um. (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) yeah yeah so I, I I believe that also and uh but it was like you know, I started those because I wanted to put something out and I didn't want to keep like waiting, you know, for everything to come together. Cause mm-hmm. I was like, what can I do mm-hmm. that's like relatively cheap? And we shoot it in a black box theater and like I do all the act outs. Like I started having some friends like do, you know, stuff like, cause I had a, a sex scene and I was like, I don't think that it makes sense to manipulate the video in such a way that I am both sides of the sex scene. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't think it added to the joke necessarily. And like, so I had my friend Katie, who's wonderful, who was like, you know, played an ex-girlfriend of mine, basically in a couple of them. So thank you for watching. Oh yeah. I love them. They're <laughs> great. Yeah, I mean, you have such a, just a dynamic way of telling stories. Oh, and I, so we met uh, at a storytelling yeah, show. Yes. 
the compliment right back at you. Oh, no, no. Truly. I, Katie? Oh. <laughs> Liz? Katie. All right, I'll take ah. it. <laughs> I could watch this all night. <laughs> I love admiration. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't it's even have best. to be for me. I just love watching yeah. people. Love fests are great. Oh, I, my I gosh. Agree. I love a love fest. Yeah, totally. But so how did you, you were tenured, right? Yes. Which means they can't do anything to you. Yeah. You can't, yeah. they can't fire. You're I know. In. I know. It's so true. And yet like every day I would walk into work and I was like, I'm sure I'm going to get fired today. No. <laughs> every single day. Cause I have that attitude like in my life in general. Mm. And like, you know, I would have a key to my office to like get into my office. And I was like, they're just going to change the locks one day. <laughs> and it, it wasn't because of anything specific. There was never really like an actual reason attached to it. It was just like, a fear that I lived with all the time. And I remember thinking when I got tenure, I was like, oh, well, I guess I don't have to worry about that anymore. But I still did. And yeah. I, you know. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. So. Imposter syndrome is um, So ruthless. real. Yeah. I know. Really I know. Ruthless. Yeah. What made you decide to, I mean, this is feeling the obvious yeah. question. What made you decide to leave and do stand-up? Yeah. I mean, so I had a crush on an improv instructor that I had met when I visited at another law school. Because that's like a thing when you're like an academic that sometimes professors like visit at other schools. So I had visited at Loyola Chicago mm-hmm. in my fourth year of teaching. I took an improv class, had a huge crush on the instructor Ooh. and then yeah. names uh sure i mean she's a friend her name is Lindsay haley nothing okay. ever happened she's amazing do you know her that name is familiar yeah she's like cool and yet. like amazing at at acting and like improv and all kinds of stuff and so anyway so she was my improv instructor not I, I don't I hate when people say like my instructor I just have like a thing with that like <laughs> she taught a class that I was lucky enough to take and mm. I really felt that and so anyway and then like a couple years later I visited at Northwestern Law School, also in Chicago, and I was like, huh, I wonder if Lindsay's still teaching classes, and she wasn't anymore, so I reached out to her on Facebook. We were Facebook friends from when she was my improv teacher or when I took her class, and then I was like, you know, I see you're not teaching, but like, I just think you're amazing. I don't know if you could do like one-on-one improv, which sounds like it might have some sexual innuendo, and I did not mean it that way, despite the fact <laughs> that I did have a really big crush on her. Like, But like everybody had a crush on her. You know, like yeah. a talent crush and a real crush. Like she's amazing. So anyway, she was like, do you want to have coffee and just like discuss? Like, I don't know, maybe like let's just see what you're up to. And so we had coffee and like – I was, I took a lot of Adderall at the time and I also have like a pretty amped up energy, I think in general. Mm -hmm. And so I had taken half a bottle of Adderall and then I took 18 shots of espresso on a dare with the barista at the coffee place before Lindsay got there. (laughs) It was a time, my sobriety is for a good reason. Oh my goodness. Um, and so I anyway, just had a heart attack like just yeah, yeah, I know. That. <laughs> it was it was a lot and I think that like because I was like even more amped up that Lindsay might have interpreted my energy as stage presence because <laughs> she she asked me she was like have you ever thought of doing stand-up and I was like no because at this point I was in my seventh year of teaching law and I had just gotten tenure and whatever and I, and then she was like I said no and she's like have you ever thought of doing stand-up on my show that I'm producing and in my head I was like are you gonna be at your show because like <laughs> I will go anywhere you are obviously like I just think the world of you and so I said yes and then I did it 
And like, I, this is a joke from stage, but it really derives from a real feeling and a real thing I told my therapist, which was that the first time I ever did stand up, I felt like I was having a professional orgasm, which was basically a regular orgasm, but I was a hundred percent sure that I was having it. <laughs> and so it was just like, like it, it felt like. I mean, it was, you know, in, I don't know if you know the old IO theater, which is in Chicago, but mm-hmm. like, it doesn't exist anymore. They have like a fancy new space, but this was like, it was like in Wrigleyville and it was super, it was like great. And like, obviously a lot of amazing people have like come off of that stage. It's like all of the old SNL and yeah. whatever. So it's not like it's some who cares type of a place. It was sort of like a camp bunk type of feel, you know, and it seated maybe like a hundred people in the in the seats but like the next morning I mean I was basically convinced that I had played Madison Square Garden the (laughs) night before and I was just like this is the most significant thing that's ever happened in my life and I was sure that day that I would leave to do it full time and I wasn't sure exactly how that would like happen or whatever but I did have that thought right away okay and it wasn't until about a year later that I got like any, all of the tenured faculty members on, on the faculty where I worked were offered buyout packages because of this like budget moment that my, the school that I worked at was in at the time. So I get this phone call and it's like all these buyout packages. And so I took one that basically made this like crazy dream just a little less insane talk about signs though right. if I that's know. not a sign yeah, i don't know right. what is it's like here here's a here's a yeah. severance package some yeah. money go go follow your dream yeah exactly <laughs> well that was a hundred percent how i took it because you know i had like during the time that I was like doing both like teaching and doing stand up and also an acting class, like, you know, I was really like going for it, but I also wanted to be practical enough, I guess. Yeah. We're just not stupid. Yeah. I didn't want to do something like totally dumb, you know? And I, I understood that like I had a good thing, but then when that phone call happened, you're exactly right. That then I was just like, Oh, it seems like I'm being given this very rare opportunity, you know, to like, I mean, what I got was I got paid for two years as though I was working, but I wasn't. And so it's not enough that I never have to think about money for sure. But it was enough that like, I was like, okay, I think I can, I can like go for it, you know? Cause I believed in myself that like I would do the work because I was already doing it. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So anyway, yeah. That's it wasn't the kind of thing where you're like, oh, like, I don't know, who knows if I'll actually be productive if yeah. I like, decide to do this and like, right. I mean, certainly like, I had my own insecurities about it. Sure. Like I'm a person, you know, <laughs> but, like, <laughs> like I wake up in the morning and I'm like, am I going to do anything today? But like, yeah. yeah, I think I had enough faith in myself because I really, I really always like, once I started doing it, it felt connected enough to something in my core and like I mean to bring it back like on my inner on on the inside like something in my inner self that was like oh this wants to come out yeah and like while having a law teaching job is like a great gig especially for within law it's awesome it's an awesome job you can like pretty much write whatever you want you can teach your classes however you want but you do have to do stuff that's connected to law right and like I remember there was um there was this like way that people would talk about certain academics like certain other professors who I would encounter and about how like oh yeah they used to have a job as a litigator or whatever at a firm but like 
you know, they were always wondering about the kind of bigger questions. And those are the kinds of things that academics write articles about. And it's the mm. kind of stuff that I wrote about for nine years to keep my job, you know, but I, I wasn't like, it wasn't that when I was in practice, I was like wondering about that stuff. I always wondered about sort of like high concepts, but mostly related to stuff that happened to me in kindergarten, <laughs> not about like yeah. the meaning of some statute. Oh, um, right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the 59 second stories are, are you know an avenue through which I get to explore like listen I just think that like the stuff that's happened to me is very interesting and it's it, that's I'm somewhat ashamed to say that out loud but I've always been this way I just like if I could like have an encyclopedia of literally my own life I would want that oh yeah and I think I mean those memoirs are super interesting but you also Thank I think you. part of what makes a person's life experiences interesting is the ability to connect dots and to mm. see patterns that's an astute observation yeah and I, I work really hard at that like a journaling every day that's a practice that like I am really I mean I guess passionate about it's more just something that I do now but I think that that has helped me not only to like assess my own guilt about like smoking weed the night before but like also that it's helped me to connect dots because I'm like, wait a minute. Cause once you, at least for me, like when I write something down, I'm like, this seems like something else. What is it? You know? And I have yeah. like search functions within my journal. So I'm like, I think I might've mentioned this and then I'll like search for a term and I'm like, okay, 160 days that I mentioned this thing then I can read all 160 entries. And I do that kind of thing, like pretty obsessively so wow, you just sold me on a digital journal. I'm like, oh, that, I, that is... I can sell you even more specifically. There's, <laughs> what do you use? I use 750words.com, okay. which is a website that I can't remember. It goes in phases of being either free or like some nominal subscription fee, but you sign up for it like email and it is, it's changed my life uh, because the guy who made it, I think like used to or still does work for Twitter and he's really good at like like it has a blank screen when you do your words and then once you've done 750 you could keep going but it's just like you have all day to do 750 or however many you want and then once you're done it, it takes you you like press return or whatever and it takes you to the next screen which is like this bunch of data that are like bar graphs and like you were concerned mostly about death and feeling mostly happy which is always a combination that I find funny but like <laughs> but like you know like stuff like that and then it gives you like your most frequently used words and you know your tally for like how many words you've written total how much time it took you to write them like all this stuff about your writing and usually it's not that I like come upon that screen and think like that's correct I don't know that I have that thought but I always think it's interesting and it's like like it's pretty colors and whatever function in our brains like sort mm. of wants to finish the 750 words to get the pretty color page <laughs> yeah. I think that the website geniusly capitalizes on that psychology yeah sure like the gamification like the reward yeah, exactly. system sure. feedback loop whatnot yeah, yeah totally, totally. Mm -hmm. so it's changed your life yeah it totally has and you can export it but it's nice to have it in the website also because the search function on the website tells you the day that you 
said the word Katie, for example, you know, stuff like that. And like, especially if I'm constructing a longer story, like about a person, then I'm like, well, it might be useful to read every single page that I mentioned this person, you know? Oh yeah. I was going to say earlier when we were talking about your memoirs, like Mm -hmm. I'm, I have a garbage memory because I do smoke a lot of weed. And so like one of the things (laughs) that I find so impressive about your stories is you seem to remember like just everything. Right. You like pull things from like small moments. Yeah. and And, and some of that could be just the way that I am, but I also like, I very readily use aids yeah. to help that. That's and, and 750 yeah. words is one of them. Yeah. So it's not, I'm it's, also curious to know like about the, like the most used words. I, Facebook had that function for a little while. I don't oh know if you remember gosh. this. Oh yeah. But with the like, where it would tell graphic, you like, this is your right. most used words for the month. Mm-hmm. And mine was like lame. And I was like, really? oh, I'm a much more <laughs> negative person than I oh, thought. You know what interesting. I mean? Like, you have an yeah. idea of who you are. And huh. I was like, I called a lot of things lame this year. Right. <laughs> mine was excited. That is wow. so on brand for you. Excited. Yeah. That's so super excited. on brand. That's funny. I think mine was, say everything that which was also the name of a show that I used to host so it's kind of whatever but um that's interesting that yours were sort of diametrically opposed (laughs) (laughs) um but also like I I appreciate I didn't I don't think I was always like this but like I really appreciate having data to like Mm. tell me how I'm doing, you know, because especially I think one of the things when I retired, like I retired from a job or whatever, but like, I think I retired also from like a mindset of defensiveness Mm. and like, whereas you were asking about, you know, the sort of like rage, anger, temper stuff, having, having its applicability in law. And I don't know for reasons stated whether that was the case. However, I do think that a defensiveness was very much Mm. at play as a lawyer. And that was something that I had to let go of. And I resisted so intensely, like specifically in acting class, like I would take every piece of direction personally and like, what like this is why I did this and it's like literally nobody cares we just (laughs) we just have to like do the fucking scene and now I know that you know but it was like drilled into me and there was a lot of unlearning Mm. and so like defensiveness was like celebrated you know like your client is like do we have an answer for this and it's like well we don't but we did do this this and this and it's like in any other context that's not the way to conduct oneself right being kind of cagey yeah exactly but it's like you're always trying to like cover your own ass and like that's very much a part of lawyering and so I think that like maybe that's like a better response to your question than just no (laughs) Um, but but like uh the reason I mention it is that like as I let go of defensiveness for example to be able to take direction I think I also like examined it in other areas of my life and I think that like being open to to not only signs like fortunes and whatnot, but like data, like, well, this is what you're doing, Liz. So like, if it isn't what you want to be doing, here's all the information you do what you want with it. And to actually like not resist the data, Mm. you know, Mm -hmm. was a big step for me because I think that like I lived my life as any really like the whole time I was in law as like, well, I did everything I was supposed to. Like I, you know, like what? Why 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 is it not good enough kind of thing? Yeah. And I gave a lot of that up. 
Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. The worst thing I think is when you are seeing a stand up and they have a joke that doesn't land and they get like so oh, yeah. defensive and yeah. like mad. That's not going to get me on your side. Right. You of know? course. Yeah. You're getting mad at me for yeah. not finding a joke. But so I think learning to let go of defensiveness is mm-hmm. a crucial part of being a stand up. Yeah. It's interesting. You. You bring up that it, it it's not just in stand up or acting, mm-hmm. but it's yeah. also in your personal life too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you don't often get to hear that side of it where it's like, oh, oh yeah. the things that I'm learning in in stand up and my like acting and all of this stuff, it should translate into real life. Yeah, I think that because it was a second kind of phase for me, that that's why. Because I think like like I got into law. I mean, arguably to like please my parents or whatever, <laughs> like just some some version of that, some like I want to know that I'm good enough or smart enough or whatever. And I think when I left it, I was like, I don't want to do anything for those reasons. I want whatever my work is to not only be something that I'm passionate about, but to be something that makes me a better person. Mm. Because ultimately, that's what I've always been trying to be. Like I've been reading self-help books since I was old enough to read. And so that kind of desire to like let me figure out how to be like the best version of myself I don't know that I always framed it that way I think when I was like for example 15 I wanted to be like literally perfect which like you know that doesn't I mean hopefully one gets out of that for one's own sake but like I think where I've come to with it is actually not that far from how I was when I was little which is just like okay like how do I how do I like figure out how to be good at life but like in stand-up you know and it, it takes work to kind of keep redirecting myself because it is possible as a stand-up comedian or as an actor to be like well I want to be the best I want to be the, the funniest and the best and it's like it's not that I'm trying to be the least I just <laughs> want to be the most me mm, and yeah. th- like really being like um committed to that course rather than the sort of like how am I going to compare myself to other people thing is hard work for me anyway because like I'm also you know I mean I have a phone and like (laughs) I'm just as susceptible to like whatever kinds of pressures related to like envy and comparison and whatever but I also do recognize that it does nothing for me right like the moments that I'm like well I want to be as funny as that person or you know you're at like some sort of competitive situation you're like damn it that person did really good but really it's like that person did good so the energy in the room is open to other people doing good Mm -hmm. and like this is all good for all of us which is the truth right you know but like in a moment of scarcity you know it's easy at least for my brain to go to that kind of negative of like oh there's not enough for me and like Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna shine and like of course if I let myself sink into that I won't right right yeah because you manifest what you think yeah and it's like then your energy goes going up on stage is like well I'm not as good and it's like we don't think that's entertaining right. <laughs> and then yeah. it's like you're right um, so we trust you you don't yeah, think you are right, so exactly. I believe you yeah. Yeah. yeah and that's that's the genius of it too yeah but I think that like coming back to your question uh which I think is such a good one it's just that like I don't think I would have switched to a thing if it wasn't something that seemed like it could get me closer to like my inner self mm. and I think that like like the um moment 
is actually like a good wraparound for that because it's like now I can use the stuff that's like on my cutting room floor as basically like, oh, well, there's a clue. Like that's me telling me to say more stuff. You well, know? you're such a good stand-up that you <laughs> wrapped up this interview perfectly. And you brought it exactly. right back to our timeline. <laughs> that was Thank amazing. You guys. Thank you. <laughs> really I had so much fun. This is great. I, I would love to talk with you for like all day and all night. Oh this my is goodness. just so terrific. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for coming on. Is yeah. there anything that uh, you are the most excited about that you want our listeners to come and com- consume sure. from you? Yeah. Um, no. Uh, <laughs> But um, no, I mean, I, I generally like I use Instagram and my website as like the way of communicating most of the time. And so I'm at Liz Glazer uh, and then Twitter to some degree as well at Elizabeth Glazer, uh, which is my given name. Um, so Twitter to please my mother. But um, <laughs> but no, my mom is definitely not on Twitter. And dearlizglazer.com is my website, but it has links to like Instagram and Twitter and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, I'm just doing my thing. You know, we'll have more 59 second memoirs. Great. Which yeah. yeah, I'm awesome. so excited to to know that you like them. Um, oh, I love them. Please oh, make more of thank them. You. Yeah, <laughs> thank please you. Please make more of them. Thanks. And then you also host uh, you host a comedy, a brunch comedy show. Or oh yeah, comedy show, I host right? a couple of shows. Yeah, um, I host Gripe Juice and I'm sure and and Friend Zone and yeah, I I'm lucky enough to work with amazing producers on those shows that I get to be a part of every month um, around LA. Very cool. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Thanks, Liz. Thank yeah. you. Liz. Thank you.